purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. Greetings. You know, I never grow weary of welcoming you to another episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. And here we are in episode 86, and I am so incredibly grateful that you've joined us today. I want to say thank you, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for listening, for responding, for engaging, and for sharing the Higher Purpose Podcast with your friends. So I want to crank it up today with a double, triple C. If you've listened to the podcast, you know I love alliteration. That's the triple C. The double is I've got two of them as we take off today. You know, I'm increasing in clarity, courage, and conviction of why I love podcasting. And that's the second triple C. That's because of connection, community, and conversation. And just understanding that this podcast is simply a catalyst for us connecting here, sharing conversations, and then us conversing beyond the conversations we have here. You have no idea how much joy I get when you and me engage in a conversation beyond the podcast about something we were talking about here on the podcast. So being part of a community and seeing you connect in community and engage in conversation with me, with one another, with the guests you're meeting here, it's inspiring. And today's another treat. I get to introduce you to another one of my human's first friends and family members. Today, Kimberly Davis, author of Brave Leadership, is joining us. She's a former actress turned authentic leadership expert. She's got a TEDx talk, and she does on-stage leadership, a program that I believe is amazing. So let's join in and hear what Kimberly has to share with us today. Hey, welcome, Kimberly Davis. I've been looking forward to this conversation for some period of time now. And of all the Humans First conversations I've hosted, you're the first that I've actually had the privilege of meeting in person before we connected on the podcast. So no kidding. That is awesome. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited to talk to you who's listening to us. This is just going to be a blast. Yeah, so it was two weeks ago today that we were physically in person together at No Longer Virtual in Atlanta. How cool is that? Thanks to Sarah Elkins. Well, and thanks to you. You were the one that told me I needed to be there and introduced me to Sarah. So, hey, Sarah, it's a shout out to Sarah. Hey, Sarah, we love you. (laughs) So, Kimberly, this is going to be awesome. So before we get into all of that awesomeness, I just have to ask you, what is something that you are grateful for in this moment? You know, Kevin, my husband and I, our families had some health issues mm. in the past couple of months. And so I have to tell you, when you bump up against some real serious health issues, you recognize that life is a really fragile thing. Mm. And I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for the sunshine. I'm grateful mm. for breath. I'm grateful for this conversation. I mean, it's where do you start? Because I think... When you recognize how fragile life truly is and how fortunate we are to be here, everything becomes something that you can be grateful for, right? 
Yeah. So was it Einstein? Who was it that said there are two ways to look at life, that nothing's a blessing or everything's a everything's blessing? Everything's a blessing. I don't know if that was Einstein or not, but I love that. No, I, yeah. I think Schweitzer, actually. I think that it, was- Yeah, might be, might be. But it's true. It really is. And it's interesting because when you walk through life with the lens of gratitude, it changes your experience with life, right? And it changes your experience with yourself. So all of a sudden, the things that used to kind of irritate you don't seem like a big deal anymore. And things that you took for granted, all of a sudden you realize, wow, you know, this water with lemon just tastes amazing, right? You know what I mean, it's like the little things all of a sudden become elevated, in your experience of them, which is a pretty awesome thing. It's a pretty awesome way to do life. And I mean, I think the sad thing is, is that I end up having to remind myself of this over and over and over again. And life tends to bop you upside the head and give you reasons to remember this. You know, I think what I'm trying to do is cultivate this when I don't need it. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not because something happened, but I want to find a way to bring gratitude into my daily moment to moment experience. Right. Okay, I've got to send you a book. You sent me a book. I've got to send you a book. But before I do that, I think I'm going to autocorrect myself because I believe the quotation is actually there are two ways to live life is if everything is a miracle. Yes. Nothing is a miracle. And I'm pretty sure. So it's all miraculous. So when you talk about this, last year I met a lady who wrote a book called The Abundance Loop, Juliana Park. Yeah. And she talked about there are two cycles. We're either in the scarcity loop that mm-hmm. starts with fear, that yes. leads to anxiety and poor choices and negative outcomes. Yes. Or we start with gratitude that leads to peace of mind, that leads to wise choices and positive outcomes. So when you talk yeah. about, we don't want to wait until we're in a fix to try to be grateful. We right. cultivate, I love the word, cultivate gratitude because it keeps us in a mindset of abundance. I love that. I am looking forward to that book, Kevin. I'm going to hold you to that. (laughs) I'll address it before we end the call because it's right. That sounds awesome. It sounds really, really wonderful. So Kimberly, if we, if you, me, and the listener were sitting down for an intimate conversation at your favorite coffee house or tea shop, where would we Oh, so there is this really wonderful coffee shop here in Lakeway, Texas. So I live in Lakeway, Texas, which is a suburb of Austin, Texas. And so we are in Hill Country. And oh, Kevin, it is so beautiful. And so there is a coffee shop called the Lola Savannah Coffee Shop. And it overlooks Hill Country. It's the most breathtaking view. And they have a deck. And the wonderful thing about living here in Austin is we get nine months of the year that we can really be outside. And so I would be outside all year long if I could, because I love to be outside. And so we would be sitting on this deck with the backdrop of this glorious hill country behind us. And we would sit, all three of us, all four of us, all 300 of us, however many want to come join us, sit on this fabulous deck and we would have the best conversation. And then we would take our coffee and then it would stretch into wine later. (laughs) We're still drinking coffee because it's early enough in the day. Okay. And there we are with our friend joining us. And our friend says, I've heard so much about you from Kevin, but I'd love to hear you, Kimberly, describe the work you do. 
Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I've got the best job in the entire world because I get to spend every day, all day long, giving people permission to see how amazing they are, Mm. right? And to step into their power and to own that power and to connect to people in a way that they never knew was possible. And so that's the work of my life. That's what I get to do every day. And so I'm kind of the luckiest person on the planet. So (laughs) I love that. But why do people feel they need permission? That's a great question. Why do people feel they need permission? I really need permission. You and I. Yeah, no, absolutely. None of us need permission, right? But we don't give ourselves permission to be who we truly are in the world. And what I think is interesting, though, because when I talk about who we truly are, I'm talking about authenticity, right? And there's a lot of conversation out there around authenticity these days. And so the work that I do is really around leadership. It's leadership. It's helping leaders bring their most authentic self to their work and to their lives so they can connect more powerfully to the people that they need to lead and influence. But from a leadership perspective, it's a little bit different than it is than most people might think it is because authenticity for most people will think, well, I get to be whoever I want to be, however I show up, and it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. And that's all you know, well and good, except from a leadership and an influence perspective, it really does matter what people think and how people experience you. And so from a leadership perspective, the way I like to look at authenticity is that from the eye of the beholder, the people, you, know, you sitting on that deck with me, right, Kevin, and Sarah, if she joins us, and whoever happens to be joining us, if you're sitting on that deck with us, that you would experience me from your lens as someone who is genuine mm-hmm. and someone who is worthy of your trust, right? Mm-hmm. And who is someone you could rely upon and you believe in, right? And it really is about your lens and how you experience me, not really about how I experience myself, right? Because I can say, oh, yes, I'm authentic and that's great, but that's not going to help me lead or influence, right? What's going to help me lead and influence is how you experience me. And if you experience me as someone who is genuine and worthy of trust and reliable and believable, and if you don't, I'm not going to be able to influence you. That's what's real. (laughs) You know, you're not going to listen to me. It's okay to aspire to authenticity, but to advertise your authentic is kind of, that's not your role to say is what you're saying. It's someone else's. Well, I can say, yes, I'm authentic. And people might go, no, you're not. It doesn't really matter. What I think, authenticity is something that we are working toward in a moment-to-moment basis. It's about how we show up in the world, right? And in your experience of me. And so authenticity really forces empathy in action because I'm having to pay attention to what you need from me and what your experience is, right? And I don't get to just show up as me in a vacuum, Now, that doesn't mean I'm like this shapeshifter that will be, you know, I'll be whatever you want me to be and whatever you want me to be. But no, what it means is that I have a sincere respect for the fact that all of you have a different set of needs, right? And I can't expect you to need the same thing as someone else will need from me. So I love this, that authenticity is in the eye of the beholder or the experience receiver or participant. Right, 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 right. At least from a leadership and influence perspective. Right. right. Yeah. And you could be authentic in this exchange or encounter. Yes. And do that exact same behavior with the next person that walks in your office and it fall flat. Absolutely. Because you're not paying attention to what the next person authentically needs from you. Right. 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 
They may be someone who needs something totally different from you. And it's how are you truly connecting with the human beings that you're trying to lead and influence? Are you invested in what they need and who they are and what's important to them? Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you tied this back to humans first. So, you know, we're in this series of conversations around what it means to live, love, and lead in a humans first kind of way. Kimberly, this is the 10th conversation in that series. So I'm curious, I know that you and I didn't start using the word humans first in our work. The work we were doing always had a humans first filter or focus to it. Yes. The label we were applying to it. So if someone asks you what it means to lead or work in a human's first kind of way, how do you explain that to them and connect that to the work you do? Yeah, well, so humans first is really all about creating, cultivating more humanity in the workforce, right? It's really about how do we respect the emotions and the people more holistically in the workforce. So it's not about transaction. It's about bringing their whole person to work, right? And so all of the work I do around brave leadership, is I believe that bravery is really about being and bringing your best, most authentic and powerful self to every situation that you face. Well, like we talked about in terms of authenticity, it lives in the eye of the beholder, right? So to the experience you as genuine, worthy of trust, reliable and believable, so that you can get to their hearts, so you can connect to their hearts, right? My definition of leadership is someone that people want to follow, not have to follow, Mm -hmm. right? And that want is really a heart thing. It's not a head thing. And in order to get to that want, you have to connect to the human behind that. It's all about emotion. So there's this analogy I use in Brave Leadership that I borrow from Chip and Dan. They have this fantastic analogy where they compare our emotions to a three-ton elephant, you know, and they compare our logic to the guy that's perched on top, you know, the elephant rider. And so the elephant is our emotions, our logic is the elephant rider. And when the elephant and the rider both want to go in the same direction, everything is awesome, right? It's just fabulous. But when the elephant wants to go in a different direction than the rider, Mm. you know, the elephant is going to win every single time. But we at work tend to think, oh no, you leave your elephant at home. We don't talk about emotion at work, right? You leave your emotions at home. But really, everything is about the emotion. If you don't pay attention to what the real emotions are in the space, they are going to make a mess. They're going to run amok and you're not going to be able to get anything done. So, as a leader, it's absolutely critical to be able to connect to the hearts of the people you need to lead and influence. So they bring their want. So they want to listen. They want to engage. They want to bring their best. They want to give everything they've got and leave it all there, you know? And that's what Humans First is all about. It's about connecting to that humanity, that it's about the person as a whole. And so brave leadership is a conduit to humans first. And a humans first culture makes it easier to cultivate brave leaders. So they really are very symbiotic. Okay. I want to go back and ask you something because when you said this, I mean, it just locked in, I don't know, my head, my heart somewhere. (laughs) You said wanting to follow is a heart thing. Yeah. Head thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are some of the challenges you've encountered with people really coming to grasp that? Because so many of us have been taught leadership as 
a head thing. We've been taught leadership in an yeah. academic sense. You know, we yeah. Yeah. studied leadership as this body of work. And I yeah. believe, I think you'd agree with this, that leadership is both art and science or heart. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so having a title does not make you a leader. Right. Having a position on a ladder does not make you a leader. And I had this great conversation with Mike Vicanti, actually, earlier today, who was the original spark for what is becoming this human's first movement. And Mike and I were talking about how one has to believe in a leader in order to want to follow that leader. And so it really, a leader has to be someone that is able to connect to the heart's of the people that they lead. And I totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) So I want to thank Mike. I mean, Mike is how you and I met. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Mike. And Mike, I want to thank you for priming. No, Kimberly didn't need any priming for this call because we just kind of show up energized and it's (laughs) kind of how we are in, in this world. So Kimberly, let me go back and ask this another way. And I don't want to embarrass you when I say this. Truly written a beautiful book, beautiful book, Brave Leadership. Not only is it a work of art, it's a work of heart. So when you step back, what are the ties you see? You started on this a moment ago between what you call brave leadership and what we see as humans first leadership. What are some of the other ties or the connecting points there? Yeah, well, here's the deal. If we want to build humans first cultures, we have to have leadership that makes it safe for people to bring their humanity to work, right? And that's what brave leadership does. Now, a lot of people, when they talk about bravery, they will look at the conversation around bravery very differently than I look at bravery. If you look at the definition of brave, it's actually to face and endure danger or pain, right? And so traditionally, Bravery is right. You're bad leaders. You are going to take names and yeah, yeah, exactly. They're going to go to war and they're going to fight. And that may be part of this. That's not in my head. The way I look at bravery is very, very different. I had to reframe bravery because the truth is, is for me, if I focus on the pain and danger, the definition of brave, right? You know, we all say, I want to be brave, please, you know, God, let me be brave. But if the definition is to face and endure danger or pain, and I focus on the danger and pain, what that does is it stops me in my tracks, Kevin. I don't want to move forward. I can't bring my best work in the face of the danger and pain because what happens is the amygdala in my brain kicks in. So it starts sending stress hormones through my body and I get all these signals to cut and run. I'm not able to bring my best work in that mindset. And so I had to reframe bravery for myself to be my best, most authentic and powerful self. Because I knew if I can be my best self, Mm. Kimberly, when she is being respectful and responsible and mindful and caring and all of the qualities that make me my best self, right? And I can be authentic, which means I'm paying attention to what other people need from me. Do they experience me as genuine, worthy of trust, reliance and belief? And I can step into my own power right? Which I believe is really the ability to create change Mm. based on how I show up in the world, not based on my title, not based on my position, right? But just based on how I show up in the world. So if I can bring my best, most authentic and powerful self to everything that I do, that in essence gives me the bravery, Mm. right? I can pretty much accomplish anything I want to do if I can bring my best, most authentic and powerful self to the situation. Then I'm not paying attention 
to the pain and danger, and yet I can get through the pain and danger, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that if we want human first cultures, right, we need to cultivate brave leaders. We need leaders who are willing to take responsibility for the impact that they have in the situations that they face and on the lives that they are responsible for moving forward in the workforce, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that we need leaders who are able to connect to the humanity in front of them in order to get the results that they're after. Leaders that aren't leading from a spreadsheet, but are leading from a place of purpose. Yeah. And so to me, brave leadership and humans first, you really almost can't tease them apart. One becomes what's the impact you want to have. One becomes the byproduct or vice versa, right? So- If you have a human's first culture, you're going to cultivate brave leaders. If you have brave leaders, the byproduct of that will be a more human-centered culture. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Wow. There's so much here. There's so much here. We can't can't unpack it all, but I want to ask you this. And I'm asking you this because I've always, or for a long time, used the word best self, best self. Recently, I was in some conversation where there was some challenge to best self. Yes. Some people, because to me, I think you and I would agree that our best self is our most authentic self. That best self is not some fabrication. Best self is not some shutting off your humanity so that you're super self. But when you say best self, what does that mean to you? When I say best self, I'm looking at... Kimberly, when she is at her most constructive, Mm. her most positive, Mm. her most effective. So my best self is not someone who is focused on what's in it for me. That's kind of, you know, that's true for me. My best self is not someone who's snarky. My best self is not someone who's critical or judgmental. My best self is often my aspirational self, to be honest, Kevin. And so I think we all know the person that we want to be, that our best self is that person that we know who we are when we're at our very best, but it's not the person that we're told we should be. So there's a difference between that. You know, we get a lot of messages of what it means to be successful and what it means to be a good mother and what it means to be a good person and what it means to be all of these things, right? Um, But your best self is what it means to be your best you. Yeah, yeah. Right? Thanks for going there. And I love this answer that your best self is your aspirational self. It is you being the best you are when you are fully you. Yes, yes. And I believe our true power comes from being who we are powerfully, who you truly are and powerfully in the world, responsibly, constructively, right? And I think those two things at the end are really important. They're responsibly and constructively, right? A lot of people will say, you know, I'm just being myself and let that be an excuse for some pretty cruddy behavior. Yeah. And we would not think that's their best self at all. Well, exactly. If it's hurtful to someone, even if that's not intentional, right? If it's hurtful, that's not your best self, Mm. right? Mm. Okay, Kimberly, I want... (laughs) (laughs) this is fun 
and you listening, I hope you are having as much fun as we are in this moment. May I ask your permission to kind of put you on the spot and ask you a question I've never asked anyone on a podcast? But oh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm so. comfortable asking you. All right. Well, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> okay. Now, here's what I see. I see the listening that they're leaning in. <laughs> and they're oh, no. but more intently saying, okay, whatever, you know, no distraction. Kimberly, will you talk to the leaders listening? And from your years of observation and experience, if you were to create a short list of kind of like the few things leaders can do or not do that have the greatest impact that yeah. allows them to be at their best aspirational self, what, what would those few things be? Yeah, I think one of the most important things is being able to bridge the confidence of the people that they lead so that you see possibility in them, right? Because if you can see possibility in them, they may not even see that in themselves, right? And that bridges the confidence in their ability to be able to do things greater than they didn't even think that they were capable of doing. So I think really the greatest skill any leader can bring is to see possibility in someone else. And I have to tell you, Kevin, I wouldn't even be doing the work I'm doing if people in my life hadn't done that for me, that they see possibility in me, right? Because that allows everyone around you, if you can see possibility in people, it allows us to lift each other up and rise together, hmm. right? Wow, I love that. I love that. I've never thought of it in that phrase, bridging the confidence. I love that phrase, but I frequently ask in leadership sessions, you know, how many of you had a leader who saw you as capable of doing something that you did not yet see yourself capable? And everybody raises their hand. Yeah. Everybody yeah. raises their hand. And then I want to invite you, who can you do that for? Exactly. You know, who can you see in your sphere and do the same for them that somebody did for you. So that's bridging the confidence and loaning them the confidence you have in them. Right, right. Themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are all so much more powerful than we know. Yeah. Right. You have the opportunity to make an impact in every situation you face. Okay, and you're not talking to me, you, just exclusively there. You're talking to all of us, you, in that. Absolutely, absolutely. You have the ability to have an impact in every situation you face. So the question to be asking yourself is, what is the impact that you want to have? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's another word you used just a moment ago that from reading you, I believe this fits into your list somewhere. Mm -hmm. You talked about success and how you define success. You know, and we have other people that define success of being a parent or a business person for us, but everybody listening, all of us, we need our own understanding of what success is for us. Absolutely. I don't think there is a definition of success, Kevin. I mean, there is not one big, right. big definition of success. This is what it means for all of us. No, I think it's on each one of us. It's on you yeah. to come up with what does success mean for you, right? So for me, it's interesting because I don't look at success in the same way a lot of people look at success. For me, success means doing work that I feel matters. It yeah. means being able to have enough time to be present with my family, 
right? To take care of my health so I can do the work that matters, so I can be there for my family. You know, for me, success isn't anchored in a number on a spreadsheet. It's not anchored in how many likes I get. It's not anchored in whether or not Oprah calls me, although that would be lovely. Wouldn't that be fun? Just because I think she's really awesome. It'd be so cool to talk to her. But for me, success, it's about how do I get to be me powerfully in this world and make the impact that I am here to make in this world. And that's what it means for me. And I encourage you to pay attention to what does that mean for you? And this is where I talked to you earlier, Kevin, about what I get to do every day is give people permission. You know, give yourself permission to listen to your own heart and get clearer on what matters to you and to craft your life around what matters to you. What does success mean to you? I love that. Some of the most miserable people I know are people who've never taken the time to figure out what success means to them. Right. Well, and I think that we are given so many different messages about what success should look like. And if we compare our lives to all of these things that we're supposed to want and supposed to have, it's really easy to go down a path that leads us astray from who we truly are, right? And when we are not living in alignment with who we truly are, we feel it. We can't hide from ourselves. Okay. I'm having a moment here, folks. Bear with me. I'm going to bring something vulnerable into this conversation just because of what you said. You and I were talking about this beforehand. But I want to ask, if you let yourself go down that path you were just talking about, yeah. when you compare yourselves to others, and folks, raise your hand if you've ever done that. My hand's the first one up. Okay, Kimberly's got both up. I'm- <laughs> what awaits us at the end of that path, Kimberly? Oh, I can tell you what awaited me there. Sadness, loneliness, emptiness, scarcity, fear. Yeah. All good things. I mean. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? And that's part of being human, right? I don't know of a human being on the planet. And I've been so privileged. I've had an opportunity to work with CEOs. I've had opportunity to work with amazing human beings all over the place. I can tell you that I've not met one person who hasn't gone there, Kevin. I mean. That is part of the human journey. And I think it's what do we do with that? You know, how do we get ourselves back on track? And for me, that's why it's been so critical to do the work that I do in the world. Because once I was able to get clarity on what do I stand for, what drives me, or what I call what's my super objective, it has given me a tool to get myself back on track with myself, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's so critical to be able to get back to, okay, wait a second, who am I as the person I know myself to be at my best? What's the impact I'm here to make? Why do I care? How do I get myself back into that space so I can experience myself taking action around what I know to be true, what's consistent and congruent with me? Hmm. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do something else. It's not uncomfortable. I mean, it may be. (laughs) But I just know, I know. Because what you just said, it's part of the human condition. I know because of conversations and messages I've had today, this morning, with people who are on that path right now. Sometimes it's not their own choosing. Companies laying off, being terminated. They're on the path towards, you know, this dark path because of comparison or whatever. Yeah. What would you say to invite them back, to help them turn around, 
to stop so they don't go any further down that path. Yeah. Oh, I would remind you that you matter. I would remind you that you matter just because you're you and not because of anything that you've done, not because of anything you've achieved, but just because you're you and that you are here to have an impact and that every single one of us has the ability to have an impact and that how you show up in the world matters. And then I would encourage you to take one small step, just one baby step toward having the impact that you want to have. Because here's what I know to be true, Kevin. When we're in that place, we're focused on ourselves, right? We're focused on how we're feeling. We're focused on what other people are doing and what that means about us. Yeah. We're focused on, you know, what do people think of us? We're focused on, you know, feeling like a failure. We're focused on all of these things, right? But our focus of attention is squarely on ourselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay? on the pain and danger that we're experiencing. It feels like it's all this mess that is our own personal pain and danger. And when we are focused on ourselves, it is hard to get out of that mess. Yeah, yeah. But if you can get clarity, and even if it's just a glimmer of clarity, you don't have to go to some ashram and spend months and months and months trying to figure out who you are. You All you need to simply ask yourself is, you know, Mm. What is the impact I want to make? Yeah. Mm. What is the impact I want to make? And focus on taking that impact, mm. right? Focus on taking that impact. What it, that will do for you is it will take your focus off yourself and put it onto the impact that you want to have outside yourself, which mm. will free you yeah. of all of that emotional heaviness that is weighing you down, that's acting like an anchor, that is keeping you from being your best self. And in that act of taking one small action, you are then free to step into your bravery. Thank you, Kimberly. Wow. So I want to add one thing to that. For some of you, maybe it is finding someone and going to that coffee shop together and asking them, can we have this impact conversation? Can we have this aspirational impact conversation? I want to sit down with you for 30 minutes or an hour, and I want to ask you a question, and I want you to ask the same question of me. And that question is, what is the impact you want to make in this world? Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes that can feel like a big, hairy, scary question. Right, Kevin? What is the impact I want to have in this world? Holy smokes, that's really big. But if I can go, okay, let's not boil the ocean right now. I can say, I'm talking to Kevin, and I'm talking to all of you, and I can say, right now, as I'm sitting on my couch in Lakeway, you know, Lakeway, Texas, what's the impact I want to have in this moment on you? Right now. Because all we've got is now, right? All we've got is this moment. So what is the impact I want to have in this moment, right? How do I want you to feel? How do I want you to feel about yourself? How do I want you to feel about me? How do I want you to feel about what's possible? How do I want you to feel about your work, about your possibilities, about your future? And how can I focus all of my attention to have an impact on you? Right now, the impact I want to have. And with that comes tremendous responsibility, right? It comes tremendous mindfulness because now it's not about me and my agenda. What do you think about me? It's about 
me focusing completely on you. What is it you need from me so I can have the impact that I'm here to have? Okay, so, and this fits so well with this vein of conversation. I want to ask you to riff on a sentence from your book. And I hope I can say the word right. No, I mean, heart and soul cannot be commoditized. Commoditized, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those words, isn't it? Yeah. So often, historically, work has been a transactional thing, right? I go to work, I give you my time. In exchange, I get a paycheck, right? And the thing is, if we want to get... So remember we talked earlier about getting to the want of the people you lead and influence, right? That it's a heart thing, yeah. right? And that want, that heart thing, that is the birthplace for joy and excitement and engagement and passion and loyalty and trust and all of the things that can make a difference in our organizations, right? So if when people come to work, you want them to give everything they've got, you want them to leave it all on the table, right? They're full out. They're given 180%, right? They're, they're not there for the paycheck. They're there to make a difference to your organization and to your clients and maybe your community or whatever it is that you serve. They are there to make an impact, right? You want them to give it all out. So let's say they do, right? Let's say the people that come to work for you, they work with love. They bring their joy and their excitement and their passion and their engagement and they're all in, right? You can't put a dollar sign on that, right? 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 And so when someone gives mm. all of who they are in exchange, all of who they are to their work, you can't say that they're doing it because it's their job. Because the truth is, you can't pay someone to do that, mm. right? To give everything you've got is a heart choice. Yeah, It's not something that can be mandated. Now, you can mandate someone coming to work and executing X, Y, and Z, right? You can mandate that, but you can't mandate that they're going to do it with excellence. You can't mandate that they're going to do it with caring. You yeah. can't mandate that they're going to give it everything they've got. That's something they get to choose. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's what you want from people, you can't treat it like it's an exchange. Mm -hmm. It's not an exchange. Mm -hmm. It is a gift that they are giving you. Yeah. Gosh. And our friend, friend in that he shares these same kind of thoughts, Bob Chapman, CEO of Barry Waymiller. I love the way he puts it. The worst deal businesses make is paying people for their hands and their heads and not getting their heart, you know? I right. mean, absolutely. Absolutely. You didn't have to right. pay anymore. You just had to make it safe for them. You had to invite them. Exactly. Well, and they have to want to give it, right? They have to want to give it. And that's the thing. You and can't pay them to give you their hearts. You can't pay someone to do that. That is for each one of us to give of our own free will. Right. But when you create the environment and the opportunity for yes. people to do that. Oh my gosh, you talk about flourishing? That's right. And that's what a human's first culture gets you, right? Wow. Wow. There we go. Gosh, there's so many more things I want to talk to you about, but I'm watching our time. We're kind of bumping up on some time. Kimberly, I want to ask you, what you just said there was beautiful. I mean, that kind of summarizes what it means to be humans first, but yeah. something else that you would like to say now that would put a pretty bow on this conversation and at least wrap this package up yeah. for now. We'll unwrap it and have another one later. But yeah. this, what brings this to a fitting pause 
for you? Yeah, I think the most important thing that every one of us can do is to get clarity on what's the impact that we want to have and own the responsibility that comes with that. There's responsibility that comes with impact, right? And to recognize that we are all far more powerful than we know and that we have an opportunity to have an impact in every situation we face. So I invite you to ask yourself, you know, in the very next situation you face, what's the impact that you want to have? And, you know, one thing I know to be true, Kevin, is that brave is not an all or nothing thing. It's not like, once you get it, you've always got it, right? You know, our brave unfolds one situation at a time. So if you can think of your life as what's the impact I want to have in this situation and in this situation and in the next situation, your brave's going to unfold one situation at a time. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Kimberly, you are the author of Brave Leadership, folks. I'm going to tell you, first off, you need to know this. And I've learned this the hard way. I mean, I've had conversations with authors who say, well, gosh, Kevin, that was really fun talking to you on the podcast because you actually read my book. And I'm kind of like, you mean somebody would host a podcast, talk to you about your book and never read your book? (laughs) It happens. (laughs) It happens a lot. (laughs) I would never do that here. And if I'm talking to somebody about their book, there are two things you got to know. I've read it and I recommend you reading it. And Kimberly, I say that about brave leadership. So for folks that want more of Kimberly Davis in their life, and I just have to believe that's everybody listening. How do they? (laughs) What a lovely assumption. (laughs) Well, so I am all over social media, as you well know, Kevin, because I don't believe that bravery happens in a vacuum. I really think that we need each other. And I certainly can't have this conversation by myself, be talking to myself. That'd be a very boring thing to do. You make me better. And so together we can cultivate our braves. So I'm on Twitter, on stage Kimberly. I'm on LinkedIn. I've got my Kimberly Davis author Facebook page. And we have great communities in all three places. And I would love to have you join the conversation. We also do a free Brave Leadership book study on Twitter once a week on Tuesday nights. We use the Brave Movement Twitter hashtag at 8 p.m. Central on Tuesday nights. So that's really fun. We've got a great community going there. Then I've also got onstageleadership.com and braveleadershipbook.com. So there's a lot of ways to find me. I'm all over the place. So here's the thing. If you want to find Kimberly, it's not that hard to do. (laughs) The way that you already are using to get there. So whether that's whatever your favorite social media is, or if you just want to do it, via website, you can find Kimberly. Kimberly, thank you so very much. This has just been a delight. I knew it would be fun talking to you, Kevin, and it absolutely was. It was a blast. Thank you, and thank you for listening. Wowzer, that was fun. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. There is so much to unpack, and it might take some time. You know, I'm blown away by how many of you tell me that you listen to these conversations more than once, and that's to make sure you get all the goodness out of it. There's plenty of goodness in this, so thank you for listening, and if you listen again, thank you for listening again. So here's a brain bomb that I'm just going to drop on you that Kimberly said. I believe I heard her say this, authenticity is empathy in action. Now, that's tweetable. What about this one for you that are leaders? And whether your title or position has leader in it, you are a leader. And the decision people make, whether to follow you or not, is a hard thing 
not a head thing. That means it's an emotional response, not a rational one. And it lines up with what we know about how people make decisions. You, me, we make decisions emotionally, and then we justify them rationally. So if you're a leader, lead from the heart to reach a heart. Now, I just love this part of the conversation. I want to paraphrase it a bit, and I want to ask you, who can you be a bridge of confidence for today? What do you see in someone, and how can you make it safe for them to step into what you see? That so echoes something Claude Silver said a couple of weeks ago. The way we see a person is how we treat that person, and how we treat that person is what they become. You, me, we have the privilege of being the bridge to help someone become the someone you see them becoming. And then while I'm at it, if someone did that for you at some point in your life, today would be a great day. Now would be a great time to reach out and tell them thanks. I promise you it will be good for you and for them. And that leads me to this final thing. What's the impact you want to have in this moment. Think about that. This moment now and what follows the rest of the day today, whenever it is you're listening in your day, what's the impact you want to have in this moment? I hope we've inspired you to live, love, and lead with purpose and positivity because that's why we're here and that's why we host these conversations. If there's something on your mind, email me at kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com or call me at 678 644-5111. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Are you wanting to grow as a human's first leader and connect in meaningful conversation with other human's first leaders? Join the Human's First Book Club, where they dive deep into a book a month and engage the authors in conversation. Go to humansfirstbookclub.com.